Welcome to the Success Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your host, Greg Morse, and today we have a special guest, Sherry Wallace, on to talk about trauma and psychosis, as well as the importance of early intervention. We hope you all are doing well out there and staying safe, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to our episode today. So let's go ahead and get started. Sherry, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. So um, can you uh, just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, My name is Sherry Wallace. I am the project coordinator for the success grant at Burrell Behavioral Health. Um, It is part of a grant that has worked with the early signs and symptoms of psychosis with youth ages 9 through 17. Um, Before that, I was a licensed clinical, well, I still am a licensed clinical social worker, um, but I worked specifically with youth who were on the autism spectrum disorder or had autism spectrum disorder. And I worked with um, children who had behavioral concerns. I worked with youth who were, um, who lived with ADHD. And I worked with youth who had some psychosis-like experiences, but not a ton. And so I kind of came into this grant just um, with a background of um, being a trauma therapist, working with youth, and and working with uh, kids who were just struggling and families who were struggling. And so... Um, I've learned a lot during my time under the grant, um, and I have a family, and um, yeah, I've learned a lot from my family, too, I think, and so I think just personal experience of, of doing the work and understanding what that looks like um, has made me really good at what I do, and it gives me kind of a better understanding and some empathy for the families and the individuals I work with. Very cool, very cool. Well, I'm glad you brought up uh, trauma because that's that's what we want to talk about today um uh we actually uh i was hoping we could talk about the connection between trauma and psychosis um and in relation to the grant and uh, also why early intervention is so important um now for our listeners um in an early episode earlier episode i did talk with aubrey doss about psychosis but in that episode we didn't really dive into the trauma side of things and so um that's why i brought sherry on today um to kind of get her perspective on these things and so um, can you just tell us a little bit how trauma connects with psychosis? Absolutely. They're really more connected than people realize. Um, and they were more connected than I realized when I first came in as well. But both in trauma and psychosis, events are, the events that occur are very frightening and confusing, and they're distressing to that individual. Um, there is a sense of not wanting to admit what's happened um, to other people or even to themselves. Um, individuals are really afraid a lot of times to talk about what they're experiencing or what they have experienced, they are very concerned and worried that people won't believe them or that they will make light of it. Um, and of course, anytime something's frightening to us, we, we want someone to believe us and help us. And so um, yeah. that can be really damaging if someone doesn't believe what's happening to us and what we're telling them, or if they make light about it or tell us we're being dishonest, which is something that um, unfortunately we hear told the children a lot about the different things that they come forward with um, when they're talking about either psychosis or trauma at first. People don't really believe that what they're saying or they wonder if they're making the story up or even if maybe they just have a really vivid imagination. And um, that can be very concerning because they're not going to get that help as quickly as they need if that's the response from the adults that they're um, trusting to come forward to. Yeah. And that can, that can be a hard situation. I know I have a couple of family members and, uh, who experienced trauma. Um, and it, it wasn't even like from their parents side of things. It wasn't even like, 
they were willfully neglecting it. But it, like, even for the parents, it can be scary. It can be a scary prospect. And, you know, when your kids start talking about these things, a lot of times uh, from what, from what I've seen, like the parents don't even know what to do. And that can be a right. very tough thing. And so it's like, it's not that they don't want to believe their kids, but like, it, it's a tough situation that they themselves are in and they don't really know what to do. Exactly. And I think that's the scariest part. Plus coming forward about that um, comes a lot of times with some confrontation and that can be really scary and difficult for individuals. And sometimes parents and, and people that they're telling have their own trauma history um, and they never were able to deal with it. And they really just don't know what to do. I love that you pointed that out, Greg. And, you know, in addition to that, there's a ton of stigma still around the word psychosis and a word, around the word trauma. Um, everybody wants to appear okay and that they're doing okay and that there's nothing wrong with with them or their family. And the truth is there's not anything wrong when we're experiencing trauma or psychosis. There's nothing wrong with this. We just need uh, some coping skills on knowing how to manage the situation. And so trauma and psychosis both really occur, our psychosis-like experiences occur when we don't have adequate skills to deal with whatever's happened to us or come to us. Because the truth is, Greg, you and I can both have the same experience, and I might consider it a traumatic event, and you might not. That might be okay mm-hmm. and something that you have the skills to manage. Yeah. And so what's considered trauma for one person and another isn't the same either. Um, you kind of asked about how they're similar as well. And so I just kind of want people to understand that some of the symptoms of psychosis and trauma can be really similar. Hmm. Um, If you think about trauma, we talk about sometimes flashbacks, nightmares, daydreaming, disassociation. And uh, that's really similar to some of the positive symptoms in psychosis, like hallucinations and delusions. Um, And so there are some, a a lot of things that are really common. And so, um, it is not necessarily abnormal to have psychosis and then uh, more traumatic events occur because we're dealing with some psychosis or vice versa to have had trauma and then to uh, for the flip to genetically be uh, flip the switch, sorry, to be genetically flipped for us so that uh, we are experiencing more psychosis like experiences. Um, if you think about a flashback and people, when they've talked about flashbacks, there's not much of a difference between that and a visual hallucination or an auditory hallucination. Yeah. And so, um, I just kind of think that those are important things to kind of be aware of. Um, so both disorders are characterized by intrusions and they both share a common interpretation of the intrusions by the individual they talk about a fear of going crazy like they feel like they're going crazy Mm -hmm. that's actually a really common statement that's been um, documented in a lot of research studies that were done is that clients um, individuals experiencing trauma or psychosis they they fear that they're going crazy they fear there's something wrong with their brain a long time before they're actually talking about the Mm -hmm. symptoms of what happened Uh, Also, in both situations, people will struggle, Greg, with isolation and hard time trusting other people, especially those relationships that are really close. And uh, with trauma, a lot of times that is because um, they had a bond with somebody and it got broken. And so there's trust issues there. And with psychosis, it has to do sometimes with paranoia and not knowing who you can trust and who you can't. That all makes sense. And that is good to... Uh, kind of connect the dots between the two um, and it can uh, definitely be difficult uh, for individuals who definitely are experiencing both I mean it's just uh, it's a very scary situation so that's why it's important um, that we um, you know 
help these individuals out. And this is kind of where the early intervention comes in at. And, uh, and so I was wondering, uh, I'm, I'm kind of skipping around here. Um, what, what does early intervention look like? Sure, the earlier we can intervene, the better off that things are, whether we really know that something happened or not. If we have a suspicion that something's going on or may not be right, uh, we should take them to somebody who's trained in uh, doing a really good psychosocial assessment to kind of find out what's going on. Uh, Sometimes, especially with children and youth, they are um, more open to somebody that they don't know than they are to the people that they know because they um they don't have a relationship and they're not worried about disappointing that individual yeah um so intervening early is really important and here's why um all of the research says that the long-term outcomes are based on how long that development is interrupted so early intervention is really critical um the earlier the intervention the better the long-term outcomes and so we reduce the risk of premature death. We can improve uh, the over, overall life trajectory because they're getting the skills sooner so that they know what to do and how to manage the different uh, circumstances that they're de- dealing with, the different symptoms that uh, they're experiencing. Hmm. Um, and then we can also um, make sure that if there is a diagnosis or anything that needs to be given, that they understand um, how to go about life in the world as it is now for them. And so one of the things I think it's really important for people to understand is when we've been through an an event, a trauma event of any kind, um, or any experience at all, our brains are shaped by that experience. There's actually like chemical hormone things and changes that happen in our brain and the connections are made differently. And our body comes out of that and our brain comes out of that completely different than when we went in. And it doesn't necessarily matter what the experience is, but the more traumatic an experience is, the more of those hormones that are connected. And our early brains actually set up to um, record those events to try to keep us safe and alive and to um, help us be um, aware of danger. And so it's part of our early programming of how we are created and made. Um, which is really great, except that sometimes our brain says that we should be afraid and um, hypervigilant and watchful over things that we don't necessarily need to be. And so um, teaching someone how to recognize what's real from what's not real, helping them recognize when they need to be concerned or afraid versus when they don't, helping them have the skills to reality check that is going to be super, super important. So those are all reasons we want to intervene really quickly. In addition to that, Um, we are able to help families kind of wrap around each other and provide that support, Um, especially in trauma. One of my favorite things that I see are parents who really, really care about their kids um, and kids who really care about their siblings and Mm -hmm. youth who really care about their parents when they've been through something Mm -hmm. and they really want to pull together and they don't know how and they feel overwhelmed. And so intervening early gives us a chance to help those individuals who are supporting the person who's been through an event as well. Yeah, then that's uh, that is a huge part of what success has been about is that uh, really getting the family involved and uh, helping improve that wraparound process. Um, because uh, as we know, like I mean, families are such a big key part of uh, recovery and um, working through these things. Well, and families want to do what they can to help, and sometimes in the process of trying to help, we say or do things that aren't as helpful as we think they are. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's just part of being human. Yeah. And so um, knowing, you know, that you can have somebody outside that somebody can say, you know, my so-and-so said this to me, but it wasn't so helpful. Um, it helps kind of, you know, cut down on some of that. Um, I don't 
want to say finger pointing, but that's the word that comes to my brain. Um, The finger pointing that happens sometimes. um, And it's not that anybody's trying to blame anybody else. It's just everybody's trying to do the best that they can with the situation that they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as far as like, uh, I'm going to kind of pivot more towards the psychosis side of things now. But um, as far as this goes, what is the, can you explain a little bit what the actual screening process looks like um, when we're dealing with, uh, patients who uh, are experiencing trauma and maybe showing early signs and symptoms of psychosis because of that trauma? Sure. So um, all of our agencies presently are using something called the PQB, which is the prodromal questionnaire brief. Mm -hmm. That screener is going to pop positive whether they have a major event or not. What Mm -hmm. it's going to do is if they're at chronic high risk for a type of mental health concern, um, it's going to come up positive. And the goal behind that then is to um, get them in for the CARMS assessment mm-hmm. where we're looking at, you know, the frequency of those psychosis-like experiences, um, how often they're occurring, uh, how intense those are, how long those things are lasting, and how much they're interrupting someone's life. We are also asking questions in that Um, assessment to kind of figure out what type of therapy is going to be a good fit for that individual. So if their psychosis like experiences are happening because of trauma, we're probably going to begin to hear about some of those things and begin to be triggered to ask some questions that might bring out, um, you know, that, that, that trauma may be behind some of this. Um, Also we, as we are interviewing and talking with them, we're trained to recognize if they may possibly be on the autism spectrum disorder, but maybe they've never been diagnosed or maybe they have some symptoms in that disorder, but they don't. And then sometimes they just are having um, early signs and symptoms of psychosis. Mm -hmm. And there are many different diagnoses that are associated with different forms of psychosis. We typically think of like schizophrenia, schizotypical, Mm -hmm. um, and things like that, uh, multiple personality disorder. Um, But those are not the only ones. Actually, anxiety can create that. Depression can create that. Um, And as you can imagine, anxiety and depression are also tied very closely to trauma. Yeah. And so that's why you see some of that bleed over in uh, comorbid diagnoses. Yeah. And that's, that's really good to know. I'm really glad you brought that up because um, I, I was just talking to my sister the other day about uh, psychosis. And um, the first things that came to her mind when she heard the word psychosis was everything she's seen on TV about what psychosis entails. And it's way scarier um, based on what's portrayed in the media. And uh, I really, uh, I, I kind of debunked some things for her on that. And um it, because the reality is that like uh, we have this idea in our head like the psychosis is this really super scary thing and that kind of contributes to the problem the stigma around it um but i i really appreciate you bringing up you know the the lesser forms of like you know depression or anxiety these things that like we don't always think of as being connected to psychosis but can be there and uh, i i personally love uh i use this example all the time it's one you gave me a long time ago and it's the uh where if you uh, feel like your phone's ringing in your pocket, but it's actually not. Um, that that is technically a psychotic um, uh, symptom or whatnot um, that a lot of people just experience like super common things. And so, really trying to get rid of that stigma, it's helpful to understand those things. Oh, for sure, Greg. I mean, the reality is, is every single person in life at one time or another have had a psychosis-like experience. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have ever been driving down the road and all of a sudden you don't realize how you got to where you were going, 
you just dissociated for a little while. That's something that happens in trauma and in psychosis. Um, So you don't remember making all the turns on how you got to work that day because your brain has done it so many times. And yet you did it. You were, but you missed out. You couldn't tell anybody if they asked you, was the light red or yellow or green at this place? You're like, well, I would assume it was green because I went through it and I didn't get pulled over or get in a car accident. But you may not really remember that. And so that's a form of dissociation. Um, and we all have them. Another one, you, I mean, I love that you use that cell phone one because that's the one I use with families so often. Um, it's so common that we actually have a terminology for it called phantom vibrations hmm. so that we think our phone is ringing in our pocket and it's not even there. But we reality test for it by reaching in our pocket and we're like, oh, it's not there. Well, we stop looking for that phone, but sometimes people don't. Hmm. Sometimes they're still like, so where's that phone ringing at? You know, yeah. um, that would be a more intense psychosis-like experience. Um, but even that minimal psychosis-like experience of thinking your phone is ringing when it's not there mm-hmm. is enough to trigger um, that PQB questionnaire for us to maybe say, oh. hey, let's have a conversation. Especially if you're answering several of those questions like that, that you're having several of those kinds of things happen. So another example that many people have had at one time or another um, would be um, if they walk into their house and they hear their name called maybe and they turn around and there's nobody there. Hmm. A lot of us have had things like that happen. Yeah. And we're like, huh, that's really strange. And then we just kind of dismiss it and go on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have to search through a whole house to verify that there's nobody in our house. Yeah. Um, but if we're changing our behaviors and we're changing what we're doing, we really need to maybe seek out some help and find out why these things are happening. And there's so many different reasons, Mm -hmm. even for everyone, even without a traumatic event, even without um, there being a major diagnosis, we can have those psychosis like experiences. Um, We can have them because we are intaking too much caffeine. Mm -hmm. We can have them because uh, we aren't getting enough sleep. We can have them because uh, we're under a lot of stress. Stress is so huge. And teaching people skills on re- stress reduction mm-hmm. has been something that's really been helpful with both um, individuals who are experiencing trauma and individuals who have experienced uh, psychosis-like experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, um, as we start heading towards wrapping things up here, um, I just have a, a couple uh other questions related to trauma and the connection to psychosis and honestly i i was i wasn't sure if like there's if we know connections quite like this yet but be curious to know so how uh do you know how soon or sorry i want to start with this question are there specific types of trauma that can contribute to psychosis more than others that you're aware of um absolutely some of the newer research uh indicates that those who are experiencing early life trauma are three times greater risk of developing a psychosis diagnosis than the general population uh we also know uh from the research that's been done with those diagnosed with psychosis that uh those who have experienced sexual abuse are Mm. 10 times more likely to have hallucinations that's where they're beginning to recognize that there are some major connections in how our body processes trauma and psychosis similarly. Um, While early trauma does increase the risk of psychosis, Greg, I want to make sure everybody understands that just because you've had trauma doesn't mean you will have psychosis or just because you have psychosis doesn't mean you're going to have trauma. Yes. And that in both situations, if you receive treatment, you could go on and the rest of your life and never have any other symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that people that hope that, coming forward and getting help early is really important because, you know, it could just be um, 
a chapter and a page of your life instead of your entire life. Yeah, for sure. So um, when a traumatic event happens, um, do you uh, do you have an idea of how soon uh, or how long it can take for maybe signs of symptoms to develop, like um, for people to be looking out for that? Um, it, yeah, you know, it's it's really kind of interesting. There's no clear cut um, way to know how somebody's going to be impacted. So, you know, I've worked with people who are, you know, they brought a youth in, for example, and they are like, they went through this traumatic thing. And the youth's like, yeah, I'm not being impacted by this at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, because for them, their brain did not record it as a mm. traumatic event. They had the skills necessary to manage that. Yeah. Um, and you have some amazing guardians who love their kids and their youth so much, and they just want to make sure that they're getting them help. And so I still encourage that. I think that's really important and good because uh, we can provide some education, psychoeducation for the individual about, hey, if these things happen, if these signs and symptoms begin to happen, get help right away. Mm. Um, so it could be anywhere from immediately that mm. somebody begins experiencing symptoms to years down the road mm. um, because something else triggers that for them. Um, personally, I can share that, um, when I was a kid, I got in a car accident with my family. Uh, that didn't impact me at all. Mm -hmm. I wasn't impacted. I didn't remember any of it. Mm -hmm. Um, years later as an adult, I got in a car accident with my kids in the car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I ended up going and getting some therapy for myself <laughs> yeah. to, to process that. And I specifically used EMDR therapy, mm -hmm. um, where we kept processing the event and they're like, there's something else there. There's a feeder memory or something there. Um, and I started talking to my family. I'm like, look, have I ever been in anything else that might have triggered this before? Yeah, I actually had. It triggered all the way back to that earlier time when I had been in a car accident. Mm. But it took me putting those events together. Somehow my brain wired those two things together. Yeah. And now, of course, I can drive fine because <laughs> I went and got help. But I think that's important for us to understand. Everyone can have these experiences where we just need to reach out and figure out what is creating a barrier from us doing the things we want to do in life. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, as we wrap up here, um, is there is there any um, advice or anything that you could give to someone or a family who might be struggling with trauma and or uh, early signs and symptoms of psychosis? Sure. The advice I would be is get treatment early. Never give up hope. There's always hope that things can get better. Um, if you don't agree with the treatment that you're receiving, talk to your therapist about why. Um, and if they're not a good fit, don't hesitate to find somebody that is a good fit. There's always hope and uh, love each other and just be well and healthy and take care of each other. Great. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like uh, like to say or tell us or for us to know? Um. Just be well and stay safe out there, guys. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Sherry, for joining us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. Uh, that'll wrap up today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, subscribe, and share with your friends, family, and coworkers. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us on our website, mosuccess.com. That's M-O-S-O-C-C-E-S-S.com. And you can also find additional information and resources there absolutely free. Um, if you have another topic that you'd like to hear us cover, feel free to send us a message. Until next time, stay safe and stay strong. Have a great day, everybody.